By 2031, you know, we've uh, committed to reducing our carbon footprint by 25% across our scope one and scope two emissions. Uh, We've committed to new in-store energy standards, energy efficiency standards, uh, and also committed to sustainable sourcing and working with our vendor partners across all all of our different verticals to make sure that the companies we work with have a sustainability plan in place, are working towards carbon carbon reduction, um, and are, are making uh, solid goals, solid strides on those goals as we as we continue to partner with them. This is the FM Evolution Podcast, brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to the Evolution. Here's Sean Black. What's up, guys? Sean Black at FM Evolution. Hey, and welcome back to another show. Uh, as we love to talk about innovation and other great topics for FM, sustainability, we have talked about only a few times over the last couple of years. And uh, I'm excited because this week we have Josh Whittion from Dollar Tree. Now, I don't know if you've ever been into a Dollar Tree or one of their brands, but you know that this is an enormous company and they are now undertaking um, this this uh, sustainability initiative. Uh, and they have Josh doing all of the heavy lifting here. I'm excited to be able to talk about sustainability, uh, how it looks uh, like for retail and where to begin. And hopefully we get to learn something new in the process. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. But before that, Here's a word from our sponsors. Did you know that CGP Maintenance and Construction Services are also commercial plumbers? They added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since. They offer everything from cleaning drains, camera work, and grease trap repairs to full repipes and digouts. So when your brand needs commercial plumbing, remember to call CGP. They are ready to be on site 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready. And because they are a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today at 858-454-7326 or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black at FM Evolution, and I'm excited today because we're going to be talking about sustainability uh, in retail, and I'm really interested to learn more about this, and I have a great guest on today, Josh Witte from Dollar Tree. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? Good to see you, Sean. Thanks for having me. You as well. I'm excited to talk about the subject with you. Uh, I think it's something that um, everyone really is thinking about and planning for. There's a whole bunch of uh, companies that are in different stages of this. So I think it'd be really great and uh, to kind of go through and, and get to learn about it. I'm excited. Absolutely. Uh, as kind of a tradition, uh, you know, we, we talk about a couple different things on the show. Um, but before we get going, I would love if you could tell us uh, a little bit more about you and, uh, and Dollar Tree, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. So I am new to Dollar Tree, but uh, well-aged within the industry. I've been doing FM for, gosh, almost 30 years now, which is a really weird thing to say. It's wow. awesome. Uh, been at Dollar Tree about two months. Uh, started out here in July, early July. Prior to that, I was with Ross Stores for the better part of four years. Uh, and they're uh, doing repairs and maintenance for, for that organization. 
I've had stops at uh, Samsung for a good period of time and JCPenney as well. And even did some stuff early in my career on the, on the dark side, on the vendor side of the industry. So <laughs> that, uh, I, I've been on both sides of the coin over the course of my career. And now I'm out here at Dollar Tree to uh, energize their sustainability and energy efforts. It's a, it's a huge, massive uh, undertaking, a little bit scary, but uh, very exciting at the same time. That's awesome. And I can't wait to hear more about that. I think uh, there's so much to cover. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to fit it all into one show. And if we can't, We'll have you back on again and we'll talk about it some more. <laughs> um, as a tradition here, we do talk about what we're reading because, uh, you know, we're all leaders in our field and, and, you know, and our core beliefs are if you're a leader that you read. And so we'd love having uh, this on our show, can get to know you a little bit better. Um, and so, and add to our reading list. So what I, I would love to know what you're reading right now. So I'm reading two books right now. One is a history book called The British Are Coming by an author by the name of Rick Atkinson. It's um, the first book in a trilogy telling the story of the American Revolution. Nice. Um, that, first, that first one covers uh, the period up to uh, uh, 1777, the winter, or, yeah, early 1777, so the very first part of the revolution. The other book I'm reading is a sci-fi book because uh, if, if anyone knows me, they know I'm just a big geeky fanboy at heart. Uh, and that is uh, Leviathan Wakes by James S.A. Corey, which is, if, I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show, The Expanse. Mm-hmm. I am. The, this is, these are the books that the TV show is based upon. So I, I just picked those up and it's like a, there's nine of them now, I think. So I'm just on the first book of those, but I've caught up on the, on the TV show. I figure I might as well check the books out, which I hear as, as is typical are usually even better than, than the shows that they're based on. Yeah. That's awesome. Nine books, man. That's going to, that's going to entertain you for a while. They are very dense. They, you know, they're, we're, we're talking like this. So yeah, uh, that's not like getting a whole new season on Netflix or something like no, you've no, been through that a couple of days yeah. and you're reading nine books. <laughs> right. It's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, holy mackerel. That's awesome. Man. All right, cool. Well, we'll add those to our list and we'll put them in the show notes. Uh, people love to, to click on that and then add to their list. So thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah, you're very welcome. I would highly recommend the Atkinson books. He does a trilogy on World War II also. That's really, really cool if you're into history. I, uh, I do. I'm a history buff. I love it, man. It's, yeah. that's, that's all I, all documentaries drives my wife insane. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to jump into this, this topic um, and talk about sustainability for a little bit. Um, I'd love to know, you can give me some background on how Dollar Tree really came to make this a focus for them and and just kind of a, a background on sustainability as a whole for you. Sure. So prior to this year, Dollar Tree had no focus whatsoever on sustainability. Just was not top of mind, uh, was not driving any sort of initiatives surrounding it, and really get, just didn't even give it a thought. Uh, late in 2020, a group of activist shareholders came together, uh, and you know, usual money talks, and they came to the board with some pretty aggressive demands on the sustainability front. Uh, pretty much pushing the board and the executive leadership team here is like, hey, you guys have been around for a long time. You're, you have 15,000 stores. Your environmental impact is huge. And you guys don't do one thing on the sustainability front. You need to get it together. And you need to make some goals and, and get moving on it. So there was inter, an interdepartmental uh, committee formed uh, to, to tackle ES, you know, the new buzzword now is ESG, environmental social governance. That's uh, the big thing that's, that's, that's come out of 2020. And that was their goal to create an ESG report with some goals laid out. And that, that's exactly what they did. We released our first ever corporate sustainability report 
in uh, like March of 2021, I want to say that was previous to my time here, uh, with some setting out clear cut goals around social governance and sustainability. Um, by 2031, you know, we've re- uh, committed to reducing our carbon footprint by 25% across our scope one and scope two emissions. Wow. Uh, we've committed to new in-store energy standards, energy efficiency standards, uh, and also committed to sustainable sourcing and working with our vendor partners across all of our all of our different verticals to make sure that the companies we work with have a sustainability plan in place, are working towards carbon carbon reduction, um, and are are making uh, solid goal solid strides on those goals as we as we continue to partner with them. Um, so it's nice they 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 get they have a playbook, they have goals. But what Dollar Tree doesn't have is is a roadmap or a strategy and how to get to those goals. And so it's a, it's a it's a ten year uh, runway, so to speak. Twenty thirty one is is the end date, and I was brought in to help uh, figure out what that strategy is and how that's going to look moving forward. Well, that's going to keep you busy. <laughs> yeah, no, no small thing. No small <laughs> thing. That is that that's a tall order. That's a, that's a big and it all uh, has to be cost there. neutral, John. Got to be cost neutral, so we can't. Yeah, you, oh, yeah exactly. Ooh, all right. Well, that's exciting. Pretty high bar. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Like, um, you know, sustainability over as a whole is a, a big undertaking for anyone, uh, for any company, for any size, but someone as big as you guys are and where you are, that's, you know, that's got to be uh, kind of daunting. Where, where does someone in, in FM, where do you, where do you start at? Well, you start small. You look at what's attainable. Uh, what's doable and what what can you do to generate credibility and buying? Uh, you know, one of the big things, problems with sustainability is it means different things to different people. So one of the first things you need to do as you're setting these goals, running in a parallel path is, is identify the stakeholders. Who do you need, who do you need to get on board with your plan in order to make to to bring it to fruition, whether that's legal, compliance, environmental, HR, communications, uh, all the way up to the C-suite. Need to identify those key stakeholders and make sure that they share your vision, that they can identify with it and are behind it. And then you set, and then you go after your your, uh, your low hanging fruit. Uh, like I said, generate some some credibility, some buy in that hey, these things can actually have tangible benefits, and that way you have the ability to push even more aggressive goals or big, big scary goals as we like to call them in the industry. Love that. So build a team, and then build start creating momentum. Build, yep, exactly. Nice. That's great advice. And yeah, you kind of have everyone on the bus drive the same direction, you know, especially in an organization like yours. So that's that's a brilliant uh, way of approaching this and getting everyone involved and getting the support you're going to need to push this through. Definitely. That is, that is uh, that's really important. One of the things I know just from working with retail is that you there's a ton of different assets that you guys have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, different pieces of equipment, you know, HVAC, you name it. And, you know, when you're running a sustainability program, how do you go about updating those assets like uh, to increase energy efficiency? Where do you start? Well, you start with the biggest uh, hogs in your retail space, which is the HVAC system and the lighting system. I mean, those are the low-hanging fruit. Now, we have been uh, actively engaged in an LED retrofit program pretty much like everyone, every other retailer on the planet has for the last five to 10 years. So again, I referenced that low-hanging fruit. Um, but the HVAC that that's, you know, that's a huge capital investment. So, um, you have to build the business case and you have to go after those because it is that the opportunities for savings, for efficiencies to be gained from that. And even from just a, a carbon reduction, 
uh, standpoint can, can be huge with those two. But, you know, there, anything that goes into the store can can have a sustainability component all the way down to, to the component material level as well. So that, that's something you want to look at also. Do you, um, do you guys track all your assets? Do you have a way of doing that now? We do. So we, we use CMMS system to do that. Um, we actively partner with our, our, our teammates in store design and store construction when the buildings go up or the buildings are renovated to know exactly you know, what the HVAC units are, what the refrigeration uh, units are within the store, uh, any other sort of mechanical equipment, you know, typically balers or something along those natures all the way. And yeah, we, we usually track between 90 to 120 different assets per, per business unit. Wow. That's like... 1200 units for you <laughs> do the math. That's a huge do the, do the math across 16,000 stores. Yeah. It's uh, it's, yeah. Ah, it's a tremendous amount of assets. Well, that's crazy. I guess you just have to really build that team and then start tackling all those assets, you know, one really one store at a time and figure out exactly what you got. And then, and then taking next steps there, what do you update? What do you don't? Yep. I mean, from an HVAC perspective, for instance, we look at the stores uh, that have the largest repair histories and uh, the highest repair costs. Uh, look at what the energy market is like in those markets and then do targeted whole, whole rooftop replacement programs. It's, uh, we're moving towards a very aggressive HVAC replacement plan, doing rooftop sweeps across hundreds of buildings as we identify those guys. Uh, the LED piece is kind of nice because we we're just about completing our first cycle of LED replacements. But Again, you got to look at this holistically. You know, guys up in the C-suite might think, "Hey, we had, we did, we got rid of all of our fluorescents. Now we're all LED. Check, we're done." Yeah. No, no. You got to look at a wholesale recycling and and PM program for those LEDs because they, they don't last forever, and the technology is continually evolving. So you got to you got to stay on top of that, that just to take a, take advantage of warranties, take advantage of any subsidies that are out there, and, and just be really aggressive with with a PM slash replacement program. That's what I was actually thinking too. Is Depending on where you are, different regions and different states, you probably have different, you know, programs available for you to help with that cost as well. There, there's a lot of noise to sift through with all that stuff, and especially in the energy markets, especially deregulated versus regulated for uh, you know renewable energy markets. It, it, it's a lot, and you know Dollar Tree has historically run very very lean in this aspect, and you know building a team is great, but I <laughs> I could certainly use more. That's that is for sure because. Just doing that alone is a, is a full-time job, trying to make sense of all that, all, all the different subsidies and programs that are out there and, and things you can take advantage of or, or folks you can partner with. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's daunting for sure. Yeah. I mean, we worked with, uh, even with some city uh, elements here, school districts and whatnot, and they have full-time people who do yeah. nothing but that because there's just so many different programs out there. Uh, so yeah, right now I have a team of three on the energy and sustainability side. So that's <laughs> So we, we are definitely a lean machine, but again, generating that buy-in and, and building up those teams to, to properly resource it is, is all just part of the journey. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be interesting going through and tackling all that. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is we had a guest on our last show and, uh, it's a scene group and we were talking about, uh, EVs, electric vehicles. Um, and I, and that was really interesting. I learned a lot about EVs, stuff that I didn't I really even think about. And I know from an FM dealing with this challenge, do you feel like this is something that you may need to address in the future for sustainability? Absolutely. Um, I, I think from a carbon reduction standpoint, looking at EV vehicles in our in our DCs and in our logistics network could make sense eventually. Right now, the technology isn't there. Yeah. Uh, that's but, kind of the challenge. 
down the line. More more relevant would be EV charging stations at stores, which you know uh, companies like Walgreens have done great with that. And you know, for for certain segments of our stores, for instance, family dollars and rural locations, EV stations probably are not going to be the most popular or useful asset to install in a building. Yeah. But you know, Dollar Trees in a lot of suburban areas, especially in you know markets like Dallas or upstate New York or California where there is a significant pop, uh, segment of the population that, that, that has EVs, uh, that would, could make sense. And there are studies out there that indicate the lift you get just from foot traffic and supplemental sales from having that EV station. It is, there is a real benefit, cost benefit to that. And it, it's, a, it, it's a compelling business case for sure. So I, I think our strategy there will be selective, do it market by market where it makes sense. Maybe couple that with renewable energy projects and some other uh, power purchase agreements to to make it a more holistic kind of net zero type approach to that. But uh, yeah, it's something that I'm going to be looking at on the horizon for sure. Yeah, it's really interesting. And and uh, I know that a lot of brands are looking at it for those reasons uh, that you kind of brought up. And I agree with you. It is still very early. And I think taking a market approach is the right thing to do. I mean, obviously, if you look in Southern California, or even, even more so Northern California, those oh, guys, yeah. they have EVs everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. You know, and uh, so but even making it into to some markets like like Texas, I, you know, I used to live in Dallas, and it's really it's really taken hold out there, which you don't normally associate tex- Texas with eco conservation. So yeah. no. <laughs> they are kind of a big oil state. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they do like their fossil fuels there, but yeah, they, they do. They like their trucks, but you know what? Just like many other states, it's it's becoming very diversified in the in the in the needs are changing people's minds, you know, and with the technology becoming more readily available and, you know, FMs and the position you're in, everyone's looking at it and going, hey, this this makes sense for us from a market share standpoint and what we can do. And as an added value for our clientele, it's a win, especially if they're going to stay in the store. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's really, really smart. It's interesting. All right, so listen, while we're right in the middle of our show, I'm going to go ahead and, and pause for a minute. We're going to thank our sponsors for the show, and we'll come right back. Thank you. Stay, stay tuned. CGP Maintenance and Construction Services Incorporated is not just a general contractor. They build, service, and maintain facilities while self-performing for some of the largest brands in the nation. With over 33 years in business, they've got what it takes to be the partner you deserve in today's fast-paced facility management marketplace. All right, welcome back to the show. We are here again with Josh Witte from Dollar Tree, and we're talking sustainability and how important it is to retailers like Dollar Tree. Uh, we just really got talking about, got done talking about EV and you know how that looks in the future uh, for retailers, and you know I think it's going to be a, a big undertaking and a lot of development going into that. Um, but I think it's going to be worth it for. Uh, for retailers to really evaluate that and, and think about it for sta- so for their sustainability programs, um, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about PMs, right? Um, and I know that FM always is looking at preventive maintenance and you know to save money because most FMs know that maintaining is a lot less expensive than emergency costs and you know things breaking down. But uh, I think even more of that is keeping equipment running smoothly. And, and as far as sustainability goes, is there any real benefits to having a good preventative maintenance program? So kind of want to talk with you a little bit about that and, and get your feedback on it. 
I would say absolutely there's a benefit, uh, especially in HVAC and LED. The efficiencies you gain with properly maintained equipment is uh, gives you light years of, of return on your investment. Um, I'll relate it to, to a, a personal story. I, I just bought a house out here in, in Virginia, and a previous occupant of the house had never cleaned the coils on his, his HVAC unit. So oh, that was yeah. my first call was to get those coils cleaned. And as soon as you clean those coils, that unit uh, decreased energy usage by 33% and efficiency and output increased by 30%. Whoa. You know, do the math on something like that if you're, not, if you're not cleaning your coils. Now, I will caveat that by saying at Odolatra, we have been really, really bad at preventive maintenance programs. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's always, that's always an easy thing to cut in the budget when, when things get tight. We, it is. While we had a very good 2020, there were significant headwinds where we had to claw back several millions of dollars from our budget. And, PMs have suffered as a result, but now with this focus on sustainability and taking a total cost of ownership approach to our assets, specifically our HVIC and our lighting, uh, it you know it just makes all the sense in the world to, to make sure those those uh, machines are running at, at the best possible efficiencies, especially when you're investing in high efficiency uh, HVAC units, which by their very nature are, are designed to be to be maintained that way and so they can operate at, at, at peak levels. I was going to say it's really interesting. You're talking about building a team earlier, and I, I gotta assume when you're, if you're if you're looking at preventive maintenance, that means you got a huge team of people that you're working with as partners to make sure that all of those are maintained, and you have to build all those relationships it's, as well. It's not internal; it's external. So we yeah. partner with with several different large vendors, probably know several of them, um, but we we really look at those guys as, as extensions of Dollar Tree because we just don't have the internal bandwidth to to manage the capital, to manage the program, to make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So it's, it's a very, we have to take a very collaborative approach to how we manage our programs with our vendor partners. Yeah, it makes sense. It's interesting because I know you guys are such a, you have such a big footprint for the areas that you service. Do you guys look, and this is just kind of off the cuff question, do you guys look at using like more national companies or like regional companies? Is there a benefit to either for you? So right now we are on a, a national level type of vendor relationship. It's just with the number of locations we have, yeah. uh, the, the diversity of, real, of the real estate portfolio, the different conditions our stores are in, from our historically underinvested family dollar banner to our newest Dollar Tree Pluses. Uh, what, we don't have the internal bandwidth to manage a lot of regional partners, which is, in my experience, has been my preferred vendor model, the multiple mm-hmm. regional partners. Uh, you know, tight geographies where you can, where they can manage successfully. Yep. Uh, but we're, we're just not set up that way internally. So we have to look at the national players and partner aggressively with them and, and let them be extensions of us to, to manage our business out in the field. Cause we just, we, we literally just don't have the time to do it ourselves, which is yeah. unfortunate, but it's just reality. I think that reality is um, like you said, unfortunately, I think it's like real for a lot of people right now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, being the way things are, from the last two years, we just came off of here and, you know, nice. we're just, we're all just kind of recovering and, and don't really have a lot of resources. So I know everyone is looking for partners to be able to do that. So I know usually a national is, is definitely one of those ways of doing it. So yeah. I always find it interesting to see kind of who's doing what. And, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, companies like yours, they, they will use regional companies. Um, but then again, like you said, they have, they have more FMs. And they, they could kind of manage those groups uh, as well. So that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I think uh, a lot of people are going to wonder about that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, before we talked, uh, before the show, we kind of talked about starting 
out on basics of, you know, even a recycling program. Uh, and I think most people, when they think of recycling, they think of, you know, hey, I'm going to separate my, my, uh, my trash from my cans and my, you know, but when it comes to stores, there's a lot more to consider, right? There's uh, fluorescent lights, refrigerant. There's, you know, how do you guys decide where to start on a recycling program or have you guys thought about that already? We are just starting that conversation now, now that I'm here. Um, again, one thing Dollar Tree has been very, very bad at is recycling. Uh, truth be, we, we hardly bail any of our cardboard, for instance, which is just leaving money on the table. Yeah. Uh, so the conversation now is about weighing the cost of capital investment versus the cost of the commodity with cardboard specifically. And we're making some pretty significant headways there. Uh, if you want to look at recycling on a more holistic level, enterprise level, I mean, there's opportunities with pallets, with plastic film, with with bags. Uh, you mentioned fluorescent lighting. Uh, we're even uh, partnering with our store designers and construction teams to uh, divert construction waste from landfills and recycle wow. construction waste where we can. And uh, even going down to looking at more sustainable flooring materials and, and fixtures and uh, things like that. But again, it, 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 we talk about being green, but it's also the color of money. And it has to yeah, fit the, the day uh, in order to, to generate that buy-in or at least be somewhat close to neutral. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I, and I wonder how many companies are, are really missing the boat, you know, and leaving that cash, uh, so to speak, you know, out there. And they don't even realize that, hey, you can... I mean, with, with a footprint our size, it's, it's millions of dollars that is being left on the table. But on the flip side, there are some significant logistical and capital obstacles that we have to overcome in order to make it feasible for us. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and like you said, right now, as things are kind of progressing and where we are, I, I know a lot of brands would love to do that. They just don't know where to start, you know? And so starting, like you said, I, I love your analogy of just kind of starting small, you know, looking at, you know, small things, small wins, and then- Find the low-hanging fruit that gets you a low win, find a good vendor partner to do it. Yeah, that's very really smart. Yep. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about eco-friendly products. You know, um, uh, I know a lot of stores... Uh, I don't know if this is a focus for them, but I wanted to ask, you know, because uh, as an FM, how do you manage the use of eco-friendly products to even start, especially in, in, a, in an organization as large as Dollar Tree? There's got to be just massive use of products all over the place. I, absolutely. No, I mean, just the, down to the store level, the, the, the use of clean products and different consumables is, is huge, with, especially when you have as many stores as we do. So. Uh, partnering with procurement is going to be key in that initiative. Uh, that is also something which we're just starting our journey on. Um, and, and again, I mentioned even going going to the design team and partnering with them about sustainable materials and sourcing from uh, eco friendly companies. Uh, of course, the biggest the biggest low hanging fruit in that are the cleaning products, your consumables and your cleaning chemicals. And uh, I've been in organizations that have had uh, a requirement that chemicals be green, be eco eco friendly. Uh, ours right now is not, but that is something I will work with procurement to make sure that is is, is in our RFPs when we source those those particular materials. Um, but yeah, that's that's it's a, that's another again another really easy win to get when you're when you're trying to build your program. How's the design department? I bet they're excited for that because I mean, the, most of the designers I know they're like, yeah, let's do something eco friendly. They are, yeah, yeah. You know, designers are designers, so yeah, but, uh, yeah they, anything that's kind of kind of new and cutting edge and 
uh, embraces the latest trends and not that sustainability is the latest trend, but it's kind of, it's kind of seeing a resurgence again with, with the focus on ESG in, in, in corporate America now. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're fully on board and they're excited to, 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 to look at this. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is we we're talking about assets and equipment and HVAC and, uh, and how daunting that is and is life cycles of equipment and trying to figure that stuff out. Uh, even on our last episode, like I said, we were talking about EV and life cycles on the, on the EV came up and we we're talking about how to measure that and where to start and, and really how that affects sustainability and investment. Um, is that something you guys consider when you're rolling out sustainability is looking at the life cycle on your equipment? That's absolutely one of the factors in our decision-making process. Um, we just recently have started an exercise where we're looking at the age of all of our stores, uh, backing that into maintenance costs for, for the different tranches that we put our stores in. So we're looking at them from zero to two years, two to five years. Um, <laughs> someone was just trying to come in here. Um, five to 10 years, 10 to 15 years, and then 20 to 15 plus years. And you know, looking at the impact the age of the store has not only on, on maintenance costs, but on energy costs, uh, uh, various other environmental focused costs, um, using that t- those tools to identify those those stores that that need capital investment on on the energy side, energy management systems, HVAC, you know, HVAC replacements, LEDs, um, all of those things kind of factor into that decision making process. That's a lot of data to collect and manage. It is a ton of data, and that's um, that'll take us months, if not a year or more, to to fully wrap our arms around that. Even for low hanging fruit and, and doing stuff with that, you can see that there's such a tremendous amount of effort that's required really to manage something like this. So Absolutely. You have your hands full. <laughs> but it I respect be, you for be, that. You got, you've got a good handle a on it. It's a road to plow for sure, Sean. But it's, uh, it, again, it's exciting work to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know, it was, reminds me of uh, Sisyphus push, pushing the boulder up to the top of the mountain, <laughs> hoping to God that it doesn't roll back down again. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Yeah, I, I hope that. I hope not for you. I hope not for you. Uh, we're almost done, so I'm going to wrap up. We have uh, one last question I really kind of want to go through, and um, and when it comes to starting this sustainability initiative, uh, what do you think is like the most important takeaway? that an FM needs to have from today's topics, the stuff that we talked about today? I'll put it to you this way. This is kind of soft and, and not, a, not a hard, tangible takeaway, but you have to be an evangelist for it. You got you to gotta buy into it yourself so you can be able to sell it. Because a lot of what goes into sustainable is just upselling to the C-suite, to different stakeholders to get, the, to get that buying. Because if you can't get that, then you're not going to get anywhere. So you, you have to evangelize. You got to be passionate. And you have to be be able to craft and tell a story in a way that makes sense to to people to a very diverse audience. Awesome, that's great advice. And I can tell that you are you are right there, my friend. I Absolutely, you're in this thing to win it. And uh, I love all the great information that you gave to, to us today. I learned a bunch of stuff, and and uh, I have a newfound respect for people who are running this program. There's so much to undertake on top of normal FM, uh, you know, duties. So pretty incredible. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing, uh, Josh. And and like I said, I really, uh, you know, I wanna, I'm going to have you back a year from now because I really, <laughs> I want to hear how this goes because I know it's uh, uh, a tremendous effort. But I, like you said, I would, I would love to come back, Sean, and, and share the wins that I have. Hopefully, yeah. I, I have at least one to share. I know you're going to have some. I know it. Yeah. 
just knowing the the like you said you know, the the passion you have for this and, and what you're doing, it's you're gonna you're gonna win big on this thing, man. So I think Dollar Tree uh, is lucky to have you, and I'm excited to see what happens with you next. So, well, thank you, Sean. I greatly appreciate that. Thanks for having me on the show. That's uh, it's it's always good to get out there and, and, and share knowledge and share my story. Awesome, man. Thank you. Looking forward to having you back. And uh, everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. Everyone here at FM Evolution, we thank you. We couldn't uh, really have the show without you guys. We love having you participate. Hey, when you hop on uh, and you're listening to us on podcasts, wherever you get your pod, uh, hop on and leave us a question. We'd love to hear from you. And then for our YouTube audience, uh, thank you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell for notifications so we can get new episodes from people like Josh who has some great information and we'd love to share it with you. Until next time, thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you on the next, next FM Evolution. Bye.